turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 12. I'm going to continue the series on faith. And today I want to talk about the deception of false faith. There are times that you may be thinking that you are walking by faith, believing in God for certain things in your life, and yet you are not really in faith. You are deceived either by tradition or you're deceived by a false faith. And then you are frustrated because you think you are believing, you think you are releasing your faith, but nothing is happening in your life. I believe every Christian faces those kinds of moments. So it's very important to understand from the Word that you are actually in real faith and not deceived by false kinds of faith. If this is a road and the road that you must walk on in your relationship with God, which is faith, like every road, there are ditches on both sides, extremes. So I want to talk about two kinds of deceptions. Number one is mental ascent. I touched a little bit on that last Wednesday, but I believe I must teach more on it because this is the kind of deception that most Christians are in. In fact, if you go to any church in Nagaland today, you will find a majority of believers in the arena of mental faith, mental ascent. They think they believe, but yet the faith has no power in their lives. The faith is not transforming them. Their faith is not receiving any promises of God. And yet they think they are in faith. And so they are frustrated because it's not getting them anywhere in the relationship with God. The other ditch is what I would call presumptuous faith. Arrogant faith. Fleshly faith. The kind of faith that we release more from our emotions and our arrogance in our walk with God rather than hearing from God. So both can look like real faith. They can look like genuine pork, but it's bought all the way from Punjab and it's not local pork. Amen. Hallelujah. So unless you are in genuine faith, your faith is not going to work. Amen. So it's so important for us to understand this. All right. Let's go to John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus Christ. Many among the Pharisees, the religious rulers, believed in Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Here we have a very curious case of people who saw Jesus, believed in Him, they heard him preaching, but yet they did not release their faith by confessing him as Lord. You must understand the ABCs of faith. Faith is what you believe. Faith comes by hearing. And faith is released by your declaration. Faith is released by your confession, by what you say. These people believed, but they did not say. They did not declare. They did not confess him as Lord. So in other words, faith had come, but their faith was inactive. Their faith was not producing in their lives because they were not confessing their faith in Christ. Let's go to another portion of Scripture. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. 
These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. This is another portion of scripture that defines clearly what mental assent is. That we can say, I believe in Jesus from my mouth. We can say, I believe in healing. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe God can do anything that He wants from our mouth and even intellectually. And yet our hearts are far from Him. And this is important to understand because faith comes from the heart. We believe in the heart. Genuine faith is always from the heart. But because of tradition and because we learn so much wordology, wordology, in other words, Christian language, we pick up words from one another. We, we learn how to pray by hearing other people pray. We have developed a Christian language that sounds good, that looks good, that looks powerful, but is powerless. It's because it's not genuine from the heart. Amen. So the greatest weapon, I believe, that Satan uses among Christians to frustrate their faith, to make them deceived into thinking that they have faith when really they're not walking in faith, is mental assent. Mental assent is a deception. And you'll find so many Christians in mental faith. Mental assent. It's very difficult to... Um, discern, very difficult to identify because the word faith is used here. So we think that we are in faith, but you are not really in faith. What is mental assent? Mental assent is intellectually agreeing to the Word of God, but not really living the Word of God. You must understand the difference. Mental agreement is agreeing to the truth of God's Word without the presence of actual faith. We can also define it as intellectual faith. Even though we need our intellect to believe in God from our hearts, mental assent is faith that is just mental. It's not from the heart. It's a faith that is dependent on sense knowledge. Sense knowledge is what you see, feel, hear, touch, smell. It is not from the Spirit. Mental assent is faith that comes from your mind, from your emotions and your feelings, but it is not from your heart, from the Spirit. And thereby, it is not genuine faith. E.W. Kenyon describes mental assent as this. Mental agreement, and many people believe that the Bible is a revelation from God. How many of you believe that? Can I see your hands? All right. That you, do you believe... That this word comes from God? Yes or no? Do you believe every word here is true? But yet, when the crisis comes in your life, do you make the word work? That's the point. Yet, when the crisis comes, if you're not standing on the word, all you have is mental agreement. Mental agreement agrees that the word is beautiful. Mental assent will agree to every doctrinal statement in the church. We as this denomination, we believe in these 10 points. Mental agreement will say, 
I believe, I believe. In fact, if you take a hand poll in every church today in Nagaland and you ask them, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Everyone will say yes. Yes or no? They will. But yet when it comes to a faith that transforms, a faith that creates a spiritual reality, a faith that accesses healing and power and destroys the darkness, the works of demons in our lives, very few. A handful. Amen. You see, mental ascent agrees what God says in His Word, but refuses to believe in it with all the heart. It agrees that the Word is true, but it refuses to act on it. It's one thing to agree that the word is true, but another thing completely to act upon it. See, genuine faith says, whatever God says in His word is true, I believe it, I have it, and that's it. You believe you have it even before you see anything. Anything changes in your lives. Mental agreement is this. I believe the word is true. I believe one day I will have it. How many of you sometimes say, one day I'll have it? That is not faith. One day I'll be healed. No, that's not faith. One day I'll be strong. That's not faith. That's just wishful thinking. You agree. You get excited by the word. But you're not acting on it. Amen? Look at James chapter 1 verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Doing what? Deceiving yourselves. How many of you get excited when you hear the message on faith? How many of you get excited when you hear a message on divine prosperity? How many of you get excited when you, when you hear the word God does miracles? How many of you get excited? How many of you actually do the word? Do the word. Practice it immediately. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you are hearing the word and you're getting excited, but you're not doing anything with that word that you hear, you are getting deceived. So what's happening? The word is making you agree here, but nothing is happening here. But faith is from the heart. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. If you believe in your heart and you confess... You believe in your heart. It's from the spirit man. God made man spirit, soul, and body. Faith is from the spirit. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Faith is from the spirit. It's not from the soul. Even though, yes, there is the will involved, there is a rational thought involved in understanding the scriptures, and yet faith is from the spirit. So unless it's from the spirit, it's powerless. God is spirit. Amen. See, unless you do the word, you are deceived. Last Wednesday, I talked about the God kind of faith. How many of you actually went and practiced that at home? Practiced it. Actually began to release faith 
that God would want you to release in the principles of the Word of God. See, you must understand this. Faith is not like our exam system where we memorize and then we get a pass mark because you can write the right answer. A spiritual life is not like that. Amen. The exam is every day. Every day. Are we exercising the Word of God? Unless we do the Word, we are just in mental faith. Mental faith is powerless. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to change anything in your life. Amen. Like for example, tongues. How many of you believe tongues? How many of you believe that when you pray in tongues, you're stirring up the power of God? How many of you believe that when you pray in tongues, you're accessing the wisdom of God? How many of you believe that when you're praying in tongues, you are praying out divine mysteries? Amen. How many of you believe that when you're praying in tongues, you're accessing the power of heaven? How many of you believe that? How many of you actually pray one hour a day? So you agree? Yes, we believe in tongues. We're a charismatic church. Yes, we agree. How many of you are actually doing it? So what you are agreeing is very far removed from what you are practicing. So what is that? It's called mental agreement. All that you believe about tongues is not going to change your life unless you actually start praying in tongues. I'm telling you the truth. You may agree, you may believe, but it will not change your life at all unless you practice it. Practice it. Unless you actually do it. How many of you believe that God wants you to prosper? Can I see your hands? How many of you know that prosperity responds to generosity? Prosperity doesn't respond to your mouth. Yeah, you can declare God wants me to prosper, God wants me to prosper, but prosperity responds to generosity. So unless you practice generosity, you're not going to see God's divine prosperity upon your life. Amen. So agreeing, yes, we agree. We agree in grace. We agree. We agree. But it's not going to change your life unless you do it. Unless you're generous. Amen. You see, coming to church, saying amen, believing in the doctrines is all fine. But unless you live the word every day in your daily life, where you're conscious of the word, where it becomes a part of your thought, where it becomes a part of your meditation, it becomes a part of your daily choices, you are not really walking by faith. And it is powerless to change your lives. Amen. The Bible calls that an evil heart of unbelief. You never knew you were evil, right? I'm not saying you're evil, but I'm saying the Bible calls this attitude, mental lesson, an evil heart of unbelief. And it's in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. Why don't you turn to Hebrews?
Hebrews 3 verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart on, of unbelief in departing from the living God. These were the same people that God said, they are near to me with your mouth, but they are far from your heart. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. That means the word was preached, the word of God. That means about what Jesus did on the cross. He has healed you. He has delivered you. He has forgiven you. The gospel was preached to us and then to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. It did not change their life. It did not bring any difference in this circumstances. It did not change anything in their heart. It did not set them free from depression. The word did not profit them because they did not mix faith with what they heard. They did not mix faith with what they heard. Which means this. Christians can think that they are believing God when in truth they are only agreeing with the word. In fact, there could be many of you here tonight like that. You may say, I agree. Healing is God's will. I believe God can do anything. I believe God can save people in any situation. But deep down, you don't really believe that it works for you. When someone comes and testifies, you believe it works for them. When someone on God's team will testify, you rejoice that it worked for them. But when it comes to you, your life and death situation... Your financial debts, <sighs> you are doubting whether it's really going to work for you. And that's what we call mental ascent. See, what do you do with the word that you hear? Do you receive it with faith and do you practice it? Or do you simply agree with it? You are blessed by coming to witness service and then you go back home. See, there is a certain emotion you feel when you're worshiping God, when you see people, you shake hands, you have tea, you feel good in your emotions. But that's not going to change you. See, many times people in Ireland just get an emotional high, an emotional faith. You know, we say hello to one another. Hey, pastor said hello to me. Oh, I feel so good, pastor said hello. I said hello to you, it's not going to change your life. Pastor came and visited the house. Ah, man, Pastor Bagorda Yeah, I can come 100 times, but it won't change your life. And yet we are so we are so hung up on, hey, if you're a genuine shepherd, you'll come to my house. See, I can come a hundred times, but if I don't teach you faith, it's not going to change your life or your family. Amen. But we don't care about faith, right? You just want the pastor to come to your house once a year and you feel happy. It's not going to change your life unless you learn to do the Word of God. Can you say Amen? You see, ascent, mental ascent agrees with something. We agree that it is good. We believe that it's the Word of God. But that's not enough. We must take it further. And that's where we must practice faith with corresponding action. Look at James chapter 2, verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
Faith is not meant to live alone. Just like men are not, are not created to live alone, right? Pastor Avi? You cannot live alone, right? Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Many husbands, if they don't have wives, they're going to starve. Right here on stage, number one husband. Right? So faith by itself, if it does not have works. Works here referring to corresponding action. It's not referring to doing good works, all right? Don't get confused that faith is doing good works. No. Sometimes your good works is not faith. Faith here is corresponding action connected to what you believe. For example, when the Bible says you're healed by the stripes of Jesus and you believe that you are healed, what does healing, believing that you are healed, mean to you? How is that expressed personally through your life in your corresponding action? When Brother Hagen was sick with an incurable disease on his bed and he believed that God has healed him by the stripes of Jesus, the Spirit of God began to speak to his heart and said, well, if you are healed, why are you lying on your bed? What should you be doing in the middle of the day if you are really healed? Then he began to realize, well, if I'm healed and I believe I'm healed, I should not be in bed. And he, by his own strength, got out of bed. Carried his legs, which were heavy because he was lying on bed for months, like stumps of wood, he says, and carried it and put it out of the bed and it fell to the ground like a stump of wood. And only when his, food, when his feet touched the ground, the fire of God came upon him and went through all his body and the healing manifested. But he acted in faith. Faith must have corresponding action, otherwise it is dead faith. The word dead faith does not mean it does not exist. The word dead means it's dormant. It is ineffective. It is powerless. So faith is there, but it is powerless. It does not make any change in your life. It does not bring any transformation. It does not change your circumstances because you say you believe, but you have no corresponding action. Hallelujah. Look at verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead. Amen. So when you believe in God who provides, our believing must lead to sacrifices of giving. It must lead to sacrifices of generosity. Because, like I said before, your faith for prosperity is connected to your generosity. The spirit of prosperity will respond to generosity, not to prayer and fasting. But many of us are praying and fasting for financial breakthrough. And yet you're still poor. Do you know that you can be prosperous without prayer and fasting? Just do it God's way. Now, prayer and fasting is good because when you are doing that, God can speak to you and give you instruction. So here, do this, right? So the prayer and fasting part is important to separate and hear from God. But even after you've heard from God, you have to go and sow. Hallelujah. 
You have to go and do what the Lord says. The Lord says, go start this business. The Lord says, go and do this investment. And then only after you do it, then you're going to see the increase in that area. Hallelujah. Faith, do you know, is a law. Just like gravity is a law, you can go and jump out. And you know where you're going to end? All the way down there. Whether you're fat, thin, whether you're naga, non-naga, if you jump out of the roof, you're going to land right at the bottom of the building. Faith is a law. The Bible calls faith a law, a spiritual law. And that means you have to look at all the different arenas where that faith can work in different areas of your life and exercise your faith. For example, if you want to live long, how many of you want to live long? And you want to live well? Well, there's a law which says honor your father and mother. So if you will by faith honor your father and mother, and honoring includes giving, honoring includes submitting, honoring includes honor and high esteem, then the Bible says you will live long and you will live well. It's a law. Now, don't just take it as a law where the heart faith and the love for God is detached from it. It functions through relationship, but it is still a law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ, that means when faith begins to work in all areas of our life, that law begins, it works by faith. Hallelujah. See, faith can be inactive if you don't have corresponding action. That means don't just pray. Pray with your legs. Pray with your hands. Sometimes we have to go out and do things. For example, if you're believing for souls, go and share the gospel. We're believing for souls to be saved. We must share the gospel. Somebody must go to the streets, to the houses and share the gospel. And then people will come. They'll be saved. Do you believe in healing? Then do you pray for every sick person you meet? Everyone who's sick, do you offer to pray for them? Let me pray for you. Or do you just agree? Yes, I agree in healing. Oh, praise the Lord. When pastor shares a testimony of healing, it's so wonderful. But I don't meet sick people every day. I'm sure you meet sick people more than me. Do you offer to pray for them? Because your faith is expressed there. It's not only for you to receive healing when you are sick. It's also because you believe in healing, God can use you. So you can pray for the sick. But most of us will believe only when we are sick. Amen. See, what is faith? Faith is more than just what you believe. Faith is the creative force of God. Faith is the force the creative force of the spirit realm that can change the natural circumstances. Faith is what multiplies bread and fish to feed thousands. Faith is what causes blind eyes to open. It's faith. 
The power of God is always there, but it is faith that opens the door. It is faith that accesses that possibility. Faith is that creative power from God that can change your circumstances from being weak to strong, from being sick to healed, from being in fear to being in peace. It is faith. Can you say hallelujah? See, faith is a substance of things hoped for. That means what you are expecting, it's faith that gives it substance. That means it makes the reality. The things that you are expecting, what will bring it to pass in your life? It is faith. It's faith. If you're holding on to the promise of God, how is that promise going to manifest in your life? Faith. So faith is that ability God has given to you that enables you to put your hand of faith in the realm of the Spirit, the possibilities of God, the power of God, the promises in the Word, and bring it into the realm where you live so that your life is changed. From being sick, you become healed. From being poor, you become blessed. Let me tell you this. All of us right now need areas in our lives where we need to exercise faith. None of us have arrived completely. Even when you're 80 years old, you need faith. See, different areas of our lives, we need faith for different things. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith is a creative force. And that's why we must endeavor to find ourselves always in faith. Because mental agreement is not going to change anything. You may agree that this is the Word of God, right? It's not going to change your life at all. Just by agreeing this. The sick will remain sick. The weak will remain weak. The poor will remain poor. The one in depression will remain in depression. Unless you actually get into real faith. What is real faith? Faith is acting on the Word of God as if it is real. Act on the Word of God as if it is real. Faith is fearlessly acting on the Word. Mental agreement is saying the Bible is true, but it does not have any action. Real faith is saying the Bible is true, God is true, and therefore I will do what the Bible says. I will act on the Word. Let's say, for example, a man hears the gospel, and then he has known Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus died for his sins. So he believes in it. He agrees to it. Real faith would cause that person to act on what he heard by surrendering his life to Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, right? If you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that you will be saved. So real faith causes that man to act on that word. It could be coming to an altar call, saying a prayer completely from the heart, agreeing to that, surrendering his life to Christ. And then after that, believing that he's saved. 
irrespective of what he feels on the inside, whether he has a witness or not, or whether there has been any change or not, from that moment on, real faith would cause that person to say, wherever he goes, I am saved. I am saved. If I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. Glory to God, I am saved. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Glory to God, I am saved. That's it. Real faith possesses spiritual reality. On the other hand, a mental agreer is someone who hears the word, who would say, I believe the Bible is God's word. I believe Jesus died for my sins. But uh, I'm, I'm afraid of surrendering my life to Jesus because what if he asks me to go to the mission field? What if he asks me to give up this and to give up that? What if he tells me to do things I don't want to do? So let me postpone it a little bit. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe Jesus died for my sins, but I'm not ready yet to trust in him. That person is a mental agreeer. He's not saved. He doesn't have faith and his life is not going to change. And our churches are filled with such people. Amen. It's like someone who sees the plane come to Dimapu and the plane lands and 100 passengers come out and they're all looking happy and fine. 100 passengers enters the plane, the plane flies off, comes back the next day with another 100 passengers. So he now he knows, he agrees that the plane is safe, the plane can take you to Calcutta and bring you back safely. But then when you buy a ticket for him and tell him to go on the plane, he says, no, 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 no. I'm afraid. He cannot surrender completely to that word because he's only agreeing here. He cannot trust with his heart. Can you trust with all your finances the word on tithing? Can you trust with all your emotions and your faith the word on forgiveness? Can you trust with all your heart that word on prayer? It's not only about salvation. See, the mental agreeer agrees with the word but does not act on it. The whole heart is not there. So that means they're not doing it. As simple as that. Mental agreement, let's say for example, healing. A believer says, by his stripes, I'm healed. If you believe in the word of God, you will agree the Bible is true. Isaiah 53 verse 5, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Amen? You may come to the altar call. You may receive prayer for healing. Hands laid upon you. Believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So after you have prayed that, if you believe in the word of God, you believe you're healed. That's it. Whether the healing has manifested, whether your feelings have changed, whether your pain has left, you agree you are healed. You believe you are healed. The moment you have prayed, your words should change. You have the attitude of a healed person. You have the speech of a healed person. When you believe in the word that the healing of God comes by the laying on of hands or by your prayer of faith, and you believe that you are healed, the moment you pray is the moment you possess. There is no more doubt after that. I'm not saying the feelings of doubt will not come. But a man who believes 
the word is the final authority. From that moment on, your consciousness is the word. Your attitude is the word. You speak the word. You are healed. As far as the man of faith is concerned, exercising genuine faith, you are healed. Whether the pain is left, whether the cancer is left or not, you are healed by the stripes. You have possessed that reality. Amen. Somebody who only agrees with healing is this. They will say, I believe the Bible is true. I believe Jesus can heal me. I believe by His stripes I'm healed. But I don't know why I'm not getting healed. Don't even say that. But I believe one day it will manifest. I believe I'll be healed one day. That is someone who's only agreeing and not being in faith. Hallelujah. You see, many in the church have heard the word, have heard the word, have heard the word about healing, about faith, about righteousness, the authority in the name of Jesus, and yet they are not walking in faith. And it is revealed in the weakness that we constantly manifest in our lives. You see, to agree in the, to, I mean, not to agree, to walk by faith is to live where the Word becomes the beginning, the middle, and the end of all authority in how you live your life. It's it. It's only the Word. When you believe that you're righteous because of your faith in Christ, that means when you're walking by faith, you have this dominant righteousness consciousness. You have this dominant consciousness that you have authority in the name of Jesus and every sickness and demon must bow to you. The Word. That's it. You don't talk about your feelings. Of course, when you are with your friends and all that. You must understand there's a difference. It's not about attitude. It's not about excuses anymore. It's the Word alone. Every part of your life, every decision that you make is now based on the Word of God. You see, faith believes it has even before a single evidence has come in our lives. The Bible says you are joint heir with Christ. Start talking as a joint heir. Start thinking as a joint heir. Start living. Start walking as a joint heir even before anything has come. The Bible says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. That means your thoughts, your consciousness, your, your beliefs, your attitude must always be, I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. And that's now a part of your words. It's a part of your consciousness. It's a part of your attitude. It's a part of the way you see life. You don't see life anymore as a pauper. You don't see life anymore as a naga. You begin to see life as a child of God. And you begin to see with the perspective that you are a child of God. And you're here on the earth with a purpose. You are blessed. And that's how you begin to engage. Amen. Even when you are weak, you believe that God is the strength of my life. Even in the midst of feeling fear, you're like, I don't have fear. God's not giving me a spirit of fear. This is all lies. 
God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I have a sound mind. Even before you feel anything, before anything manifests, walking by faith means you are doing it. Taking the word of God as if it is true because it is. I have preached so many times in the middle of depression. I've come on the stage when I haven't slept the whole night and I did not speak a word about what I went through, what I did not go through because it was like, so what? No big deal. You're walking by faith. Amen. You're walking by faith. Walking by faith is you're walking with what you believe in the Word. You believe God's the strength, so get up. You believe God's your hope, so get up in the morning and rejoice because God is the hope of your life. You believe you are healed, so get up and say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Glory to God. And begin to move about. Hallelujah. When I was in Bangalore this time, the, last, the, the service we had in the evening, the Spirit of God began to move. And I just felt led in my heart that we must have an offering. But I didn't share it. The pastor who was leading the service said, I believe we should have an offering. I just knew that God responds to generosity, not to intentions. I think God heard that intention in my heart and is blessed, right? God does not respond to intentions. God responds to faith. See, in my heart, I had this desire to give. I even had the amount to give. I even had... Oh, the leading to give. It was all there. It was all there. But nothing happened in the service until that pastor said, we must give now. And we acted. So the Lord spoke to my heart, empty your wallet. So I looked at my wallet. I think it was about seven, six thousand rupees. I don't know. I emptied my wallet, including the coin. Right then and there. After the service was over, a person comes up to me and says, I'm led to give you my diamond earrings. So he blessed me with diamond earrings. Of course, I cannot wear it. So it ends up becoming my wife's conqueror, more than a conqueror. Whatever I conquer, I give it. <laughs> you see? So it was amazing because unless I acted, heaven did not respond. But the moment I acted, heaven responded. How many of you know I shared a testimony about my healing from allergies? Well, I got healed and it came back again much stronger. It was a fight. So for about the whole year, 2018, I fought with it again. There were times I had to take the medicines because it was getting too much, unbearable. So the whole of 2018, I fought with it here and here. At night, I would be declaring, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And I would keep on declaring it. I kept on declaring that I'm healed 
And I would just stand on the word. Stand on the word. Irrespective of whether it left after two days or three days. Sometimes it's a fight of two days. Sometimes it's a fight for a whole year. But I believed the word. I took the word as if it is real. And it came to a point where I was just declaring I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And my happiness was in releasing my faith and not checking whether the symptoms have left. Because even the whole day I'm declaring I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, my skin was swelling up. So it's not anymore about, okay, I'll say and let's see if it works or not. Because a lot of people like that. Let me see whether it works or not. Remember when Satan came to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, jump from this and God will protect you, right? See, the way that Satan deceives is by saying, if you are the son of God. But did you know that just a few days before that, God said, you are my son. So there is no need for any other proof in Jesus except the word of God. But Satan comes and tells Jesus, if you are the son of God, do this. And it will prove whether you are genuinely a son of God and whether God really loves you. Causing him to act out of faith and into presumptuous faith. See, the only, the only evidence you need that you are healed is what? If you are healed, then do this. No, the only evidence you need is the Word. The only evidence you need that you are healed is the Word of God. So after a while, you don't look for symptoms anymore. I stopped looking for symptoms. Whether the symptom was gone, whether the symptom was coming back, I was like, I'm not even going to look at my symptoms. I'm just excited with the word. The word says, I'm healed. Glory to God, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I rejoice because I'm healed. The word says, I'm healed. I'm healed. But you're still itching. Ah, it's okay. I'm still itching. Who cares? The word says, I'm healed. I'm healed. Glory to God. I just rejoiced in the word because the only evidence that I needed that I'm healed is the word. Just like the only evidence you need that you're a child of God. Is God's word. You don't need these feelings of love. You don't need to come, you don't need a pastor to come and say, I bless you, I release the Father's blessing on you. We do that, yes. But you don't need that. The only evidence you need for you to know you are a child of God is the word. And unless you come to the Word and base all your expectations, your beliefs, and your actions and choices on the Word, no matter how many spiritual experiences you have had, you will be shaken. Amen. I don't even know when those allergies left, I tell you. I wasn't even aware of the time when it left my body. Because for me, when it left, when it came, it did not become important anymore. For me, it was the word is enough. That's it. I'm going to live. My emotions, my attitudes, my focus, meditation is just the word. Hallelujah. 
Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, 5, and 7. If I have time, quickly talk about presumptuous faith. The devil took Jesus up into the holy city, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus fought by saying, It is written. Unless you know what is written, you cannot fight against the devil. Spiritual warfare begins from the knowledge of the truth. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Jesus himself used the word. He said, is written. The question is, do you know what is written? Because if you don't, the devil can deceive you. He knows the word. In fact, the Bible says he believes in the word. Demons believe in the word. Amen. So walking by faith is one thing. Having presumption is another. This is, if Jesus had acted on it, it would have been presumptuous faith. What is presumptuous faith? Presumptuous faith is challenging God to act out of His character and out of His Word. Challenging God to act out of His character and out of His Word. The word presumption means to assume. To take for granted. It means to do something without having the right or the permission. It means to go too far in taking liberties without having heard from God. It also means to be bold, to be arrogant. It comes, it's a faith that comes from self-confidence and not from God-confidence. For example, let's say this. I have faith that my wife is generous and kind and hospitable. But if I invite all of you for dinner tonight without asking her permission, that's presumption. Without having heard a yes from her. Amen. Hallelujah. So to be presumptuous is to move forward with arrogant confidence. To have misplaced assurance. To believe in God without having a word from Him. Either in the Scriptures or from the Holy Spirit. In 2011, there were some people, a group of people. Prominent name was Harold Camping. I don't know whether you've heard of him. An end time specialist. They believed that God will come back in May 21, 2011. So on that day, all of these people gathered. In fact, hundreds and thousands of people were believing that May 21, 2011, Jesus will come back. So they had certainty. They were certain they had faith. Because certainty is a characteristic of faith. They even had actions of sacrifice and boldness, which is another characteristic of faith. They believed it. They said it. The attitude was throwing everything about faith, but nothing happened. Why? Because it was not based on God's Word. 
It looked like faith. It smelled like faith. The people were releasing faith. But it was unproductive. It was not based on the Word of God. They found themselves waiting or asking God to act when God never said He would. Amen? So the point here is this. Real faith, you must make sure that it is from the Word. Whether it's a word that you hear from God or whether it's a word that is there in the Scriptures. We cannot just claim anything as ours. One area of presumptuous faith is when people will claim, I claim her as my wife, I claim him as my husband. A lot of people do that. When you hear the Bible teaching on faith. You see, God has given us authority in His name, but your authority is never on another human being. Our authority is on our circumstances. Our authority is on powers of darkness, spiritual forces, but our authority is never on another human being. You can claim all you want, but God's going to honor that person's individual will. But people claim each other in prayer. And then when that person has said no to them for their proposal or whatever, they get disappointed with God and say, what happened, Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. See, when we talk about prosperity, you cannot just claim all right, that means I'm going to have 10 cars, I'm going to have two houses. You just cannot claim without having heard from God and developing your faith in a journey of relationship. Amen. You see, Abraham left his father's house, right? Why? Because he heard from God. God said, leave your father's house. And come and follow me and I will take you to a land that you do not know. But yet, when you come here, I'm going to give you that land and to your descendants. I will bless you. I will bless your children. I will make a great nation out of you. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Abraham heard. And because he heard, he had the liberty to leave. And God had the responsibility to provide. Now, some people actually leave without hearing. Some people go into the mission field without hearing from God because they get moved in their emotions. Some people do ministry that they have not been graced for, anointed for. A lot of people here in Nagaland, when they go to short-term Bible schools and they hear the messages on faith and you can do it, they say, I want to be pastor. I want to be an apostle. God did not anoint them. God did not call them. But they just decide that their calling is more attractive and they start doing those things that they don't have the grace and the anointing for. What is that? That's called presumptuous faith. Presumptuous faith. Can anyone pastor? You cannot. Unless you're called. Amen. Peter walked on water, right? Can all of us walk on water? 
Huh? Oh yes, we are afraid to walk on the water. I tell you, you can't. Unless you hear from God. See, that, that kind of faith is a specific faith that comes from a rhema word. Does God, as a woman, do you believe you're blessed? Do you believe God loves you? But can you have the faith like Mary? I will have the faith. I release my faith to be pregnant with Jesus. Can you, can you do that? You can't. Unless an angel comes to you and says, blessed are you among women. You're most highly favored from God. Unless you get a word from God, you cannot release faith for that specific word to come to pass in your life. This, that's different from the general faith. A general promise. Are you with me? See, a lot of people want to go to America. Fine. I'm not going to hinder, but are you hearing from God? That's important. Because when you hear, God has a responsibility to provide. But if you send yourself, you have the responsibility to provide for yourself. Amen. You see, God spoke to Noah to make the ark. So Noah made the ark that was faith. God did not speak to the people of the earth to make the tower of Babel. But they made it anyway. That's presumption. Do you get it? Presumption comes from the human will. Faith comes from the Spirit of God. Mary had faith. To be pregnant with Jesus. Why? Because she heard from God. Hallelujah. So there is a balance of, yes, I believe in God, but also I must walk closely with Him. I must hear from His Spirit. I must humble myself. Hallelujah. There's a king in the Old Testament called Uzziah. He was a strong king. God blessed him. Israel prospered militarily while he was in authority. But in the latter part of his years, because of the blessings upon his life, he got arrogant and prideful. And he offered incense before God that the kings were forbidden to. See, only the priests had the grace upon them to go and minister in the tabernacle. Not the king. Uzziah, because of the power and authority he had, took on something that God has not given him grace for. That's presumptuous faith. Now, he wants to do God. He wants to offer incense before God. What's wrong with that, right? What's wrong with that? That's a good thing. But that was presumptuous faith. That was pride in the eyes of God. So he got struck with leprosy till the day he died. What he did did not seem wrong in the eyes of people, but in the eyes of God, it was presumptuous faith because he was doing something that he has no grace for. So pride can sometimes affect our faith that we can use the word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, you cannot. You cannot do things that God does not call you to. You cannot do things that God has not graced you to. Amen. 
In fact, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, that verse, if you look at it in context, is talking about difficult circumstances that God put Paul in when he was preaching the gospel. And his statement that he makes is, whatever circumstance I can go through, I can do it because of God's grace upon me. That's what he meant. He didn't mean I can do everything. I can be a pastor. I can be an evangelist. I can be a businessman also. Hey, faith, man, faith. Because arrogant faith can lead us out of the will of God. That's the ditch on the other side. All these signs will follow those who believe. They shall speak with new tongues. If they drink anything deadly, shall by no means hurt them. They shall take up serpents and it shall not harm them, right? No. God did not mean go look for snake. God did not mean go look for poison. In the process of you doing the will of God, if you should have those situations develop, they're not going to harm you. In Acts chapter 28, Paul was on an island and while he was putting sticks into the fire, he got bitten by a snake. And everyone thought he was going to die, but Paul just shook it off. He just shook it off. And he didn't die. That's what... Mark chapter 16 meant. See, common sense says, don't go touch a live wire. Don't put your hand in the fire. Don't need Raja Mitra every day and believe God for healing. Common sense says that. But we violate all common sense. We go and take loan in bank, 5% per month, and then pray and fast for God to deliver us from dead. You're not going to be delivered. You're going to be in bankrupt. How many prayer warriors are there that take loans in high interest expecting a miracle intervention from God? Amen. Hallelujah. See, in the process of you doing the will of God, if you're bitten by a snake, you can have faith. That's not going to harm you. If you're doing anything deadly, like Saudu Sundasing was poisoned by his own father, but he did not die. They were not going out looking for snake, snake, snake. You know, looking for lion, tiger, come. Because I'm in faith. Hallelujah. To do those things is presumptuous faith. Hallelujah. You see, the three friends of Daniel, they did not jump into the fire. They were pushed into the fire, but their faith was God would protect them. And even if he did not, it doesn't matter. We're not going to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. That's the faith. It was a genuine, humble faith. Daniel was put into the lion's den. He did not run into the lion's den, you know, as a test of his faith. He was forced there. But his faith was, even there, God would protect him. Amen. So there's a difference between presumptuous faith. Sometimes presumptuous faith looks like it's bold faith. It looks like exciting. But it's not genuine faith. And people end up making Tremendous mistakes in their lives when they have presumptuous faith, emotional faith.
you get just revved up during a motivational service, a motivational sermon, and you think that you have faith when it's not genuine faith. Whereas on the other hand, mental faith is believing that you are in faith when all the time you're just passively agreeing to the word without really exercising your faith. Genuine faith, yes, it's a bold standing on the word of God, but it always comes out of our relationship with him. And yes, there is a balance between standing on the word of God, which is revealed in the scriptures, and also hearing from him in personal relationship with him. Hallelujah. I believe God wants to prosper me. So I've been believing for land. And there's a land that I want to buy in Dimapur right now. I was believing for it. I was like, I'm going to go for it. But just because I believe God wants to give me double restoration, I believe God wants to give me land as a part of my inheritance in Christ, I cannot just go and buy. The price is low. Everything seemed perfect. But the more I prayed, the more I prayed, God said, no. I didn't have peace. Now, I can be in presumptuous faith and say, oh, God will provide. I'll just go and buy and God will bless it. And it may end up to be a huge mistake for me. So on one hand, I believe, yes, God wants to prosper me. I'm believing and I'm praying. But at the same time, I'm still depending, hearing from God. What is He going to say? Amen. And God said no. I don't know why, but God said no. So if he said no, then I'm not going to test him by challenging him to act out of his character and his word. Putting myself in a situation where I'm saying, if you're truly God, now prove yourself and providing for me. But he won't because he never told me to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. So mental agreement is a deception. Presumptuous faith is a deception. We must make sure we are walking in genuine faith, real faith. Real faith, trust in the Word, live in the Word. Let that become your entire attitude, outlook, hope of life. But at the same time, walk in humility, listening to the Holy Spirit and what God says. Because only what God says he has the responsibility to provide. What is God saying specifically? What is His prophetic vision for you? What is He releasing into your heart? If you respond to that, that is where God will show up miraculously, powerfully, prosperously in your life. That's why God wants to lead all of us personally in a relationship. You cannot copy each other's faith. You cannot copy each other's testimonies. Many people hear uh, Benny Hinn's testimony of how he found his uh, spouse, hear another pastor's testimony of how he found his spouse, and we say the same, Lord, give me the same way. Whereas God may have been speaking to you for the last three years that the lady who's sitting next to you is the one from God and is just giving you peace in your heart, but you're like, I want this spectacular way how you showed to Benny Hinn, and you're missing God. Because God leads everyone differently. Have confidence the way he's leading you and don't compare the way he leads you with another person's testimony. Amen. I mean, I listen to prophets, 
that are there sharing about all their wonderful experiences, but it doesn't intimidate me anymore. In the past, I would get intimidated thinking that, oh, I'm not, I'm not seeing angels. I'm not getting any of these phenomenal experiences. Does it mean I'm lesser? No. God leads me His way. I'm confident in the way He leads me. Amen. See, faith grows. One of the characteristics of time is the more you know God, the more you know of His Word, your faith grows. Faith is something that grows. And it must grow out of relationship with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Come, let's worship the Lord for a few moments. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.